Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here as we are breaking down the weekend that was at the Bristol Dirt Track here on Talking in Circles. Joe Logano held off a hard-charging Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to go to Victory Lane in the Bristol Dirt Race here on that was ran on Monday night after it was delayed from Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll break the whole race down, discuss what we thought of the weekend, and give us some pros and cons of what we thought. And it's coming back next year, according to um, you know Bristol Motor Speedway and everybody involved. It is coming back next season, so something to keep an eye on there as well. Um, truck race was dominated by Martin Truex Jr. this afternoon. We'll discuss that as well. 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles if you want to discuss uh, anything tonight on Talking Circles about the, the Food City Dirt Race or anything from the Bristol Dirt Race weekend. We will, dis- we will talk about that here tonight on Talking Circles. But let's get started. It ended with Joe Logano and Victory Lane and Shell Pennzoil Ford. He led one uh, stage two and really led the last full stage there. But uh, a late race restart. Mike Marler had some issues, and uh, he had to hold off some uh, hard-charging Denny Hamlin. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. was up there as well, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was fourth. Truex blew a tire on that last restart, Phillip, and uh, it put him back to the 19th position. He wasn't able to rebound, but he had a really strong day. Even in the truck race, he dominated a really strong day in the dirt. Uh, But Logano ended up in victory lane, Stenhouse second. Um, What were your thoughts on on Logano's run and – just, uh, you know, we were talking off the air before the show here, you know, uh, in the top five, a bunch of surprises. You had Stenhouse in second, a really good run for him. Uh, Denny Hamlin in third. That's not a surprise at all, but, you know, he finishes third there a lot. But the other surprises are uh, Daniel Suarez and Ryan Newman, fourth and fifth. Suarez, uh, who finished fourth in stage one, second in stage two, and he ended up the race in fourth, was leading for a little while. That was a surprise for sure. And, and Newman, who's had a tough year so far, and that six car was really solid, a top ten car all day as well. Um, some pr- surprises today there at the Bristol Dirt Race, but it ended with Joey Logano and Victory Lane. What were your thoughts uh, on the finish of that race, Philip? Yeah, I mean, when you look at Logano and what he's been able to do over the last few years, he's one of the most versatile drivers in the sport, and. Uh, you know, him and Paul Wolf have become a solid combination, same as what Paul Wolf and Brad were for many years. And you have Logano a few weeks ago. I think he jumped in a dirt modified or late model, and he had fun doing that. And he's always been somebody that is able to kind of, you know, adapt. And he's he's one that's willing to adapt. And he had a fast car in practice. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to – the wear wasn't in their favor during the practice session, but Paul Wolf and Logano came up with a good strategy, good setup, car that was able to run and run out these 50-lap uh, segments better than others, same as uh, O. Richard. Um, he wanted longer runs. I was just listening to that on the way back. You know, how he wanted longer runs uh, – and then Paul Wolf was talking about how they were able to manage their tires better with the way they did things today. But, you know, credit to Logano getting an early win, a lot of points. So he's um, not, you know, the he's the points, de facto points leader, but he's a big gap. There's a big gap behind uh, to Denny Hamlin, but, um, 
and him basically, and then everybody else is kind of close. But uh, Logano getting that win early in the year, short track season coming up, and he's great at Martinsville and Richmond. So an opportunity for him. Uh, Daniel Suarez and track house racing, getting a top five finish is huge for that organization. Um, uh, Ryan Newman getting a top five in a Roush car at Bristol is a big deal. Eric Jones also top 10 finish. I mean, it's not as shocking because Patty team has shown at times that short tracks are kind of where they make their hay. Uh, but, you know, Daniel Suarez led a lot of laps, had a great race car. Uh, you know, that, that is a big deal for them. And Newman got ran over by Byron. I thought he was going to run over Byron, but he didn't. <laughs> Uh, but he, to get a top five finish, that's the best run I think Ryan Newman has had at a non-plate track in, I don't know, three, four, five years or something. I, I don't remember the last time that Ryan Newman was that good at a racetrack, uh, in general. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was nice to see some of the different faces, some of the different names probably helped that a lot of the big names and favorites, uh, were knocked out and it, I'm probably the kiss of death on the fantasy team because every time I pick somebody, they end up going and crapping themselves. So, I mean, sorry, sorry, Spencer, but, um, you know, that, that kind of had nothing to do with me that rest, but you know, whatever, it's probably, you could blame it on me. <laughs> well, it was, uh, you're absolutely right. It was awesome to see some of these guys up there that you don't normally see up there. And I, I'll tell you, I've been giving them praise all year, but I just, I can't, say enough how impressed I've been with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. this year. Um, even on, you know, the non-dirt tracks, and he's got a dirt track background. He's, he's run some uh, wing sprints in the, in the past. Um, so you knew he was going to be very competitive today when it came to this, as long as, you know, he stayed out of trouble, which, uh, you know, Larson was able to do, wasn't able to do, and neither was Christopher Bell, the other two guys who were, had heavy, heavy um, dirt track experience. But Stenhouse to go out there, and he was good. Uh, ninth in stage one and sixth in stage two. But that last part of that race, they made an adjustment on that car. It was incredible. Um, you know, I thought for a second he was going to chase them down and win that race. He just didn't have quite enough. But what a run. What a start to the year for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You can't say enough. And you, talk, you talked about it earlier, Daniel Suarez, who I think had the run of the day. Um, you know, it was, wasn't as good that last stage as he was in stage two and stage two, that 99 car led laps and was ter terrific. It looked like he was going to run away with the field for a little, with run away with the race for a little bit. Um, wasn't the case. He, but he still had a very good day finishing in fourth. Um, and then you mentioned Ryan Newman. I mean, I, Ryan Newman, it's definitely his best run at Roush since he joined the team in 2019. You know, there's been times where he finished well, better there, but he never really had as, as consistent as a run as we've seen Ryan Newman had, today uh, it was a very very impressive run for that six car um he he's good on dirt and uh he he didn't even run the truck race and he was still very good so uh a, a solid solid run for ryan newman and, and uh it must feel good for that six car they've been off to a little bit of a rough start so they get them not only a, a top five run but some quality stage points get them in the conversation of maybe making the playoffs um if if we have 16 or less winners, which is now seven straight winners to start the year. Uh, it's crazy. Seven different winners to start the year. It's crazy. Uh, going a little bit deeper into the field, position six through ten, you had William Brown in sixth, Tyler Reddick seventh, 
Ryan Blaney eighth in his car was de- destroyed, and he still finished eighth. You mentioned Eric Jones in ninth and uh, Chase Elliott in tenth. Some guys who salvaged a decent day, not their dirt background. Byron ran really good today. Uh, I talked about Blaney. Blaney had a really strong car, but got involved in one of the accidents, and his whole left rear side, left side of the car, the whole left rear basically was was gone and destroyed. Uh, he, he did a great job to salvage a decent day in eighth. Uh, give him some credit there. You mentioned Eric Jones. Certainly short tracks are where Richard Petty Motorsports is a little bit more competitive. Uh, but, again, a, a guy who's not a dirt track background did a very nice job, uh, finished eighth in stage two, got stage points there, and he was able to um, finish the race in ninth. And then Chase Elliott, not, a dirt back, not really a dirt background either for him, but to come home tenth, a decent day for those guys, Philip, to come home. And, and just, you know, it's almost like what you looked at when we, when we used to look at road you know, back in the 90s and, and early 2000s when we only did it twice a year, you sat there and you said, I don't have to win this race, but just come home with a decent day where I'm not going to just ruin my season. Um, I think that's what the goal for a lot of these guys were. And for guys like Chase Elliott, uh, William Byron, and Ryan Blaney, they certainly did that. Uh, Philip? Yeah, so, yeah, sorry about that. I thought you were throwing no the sensor there, but... Uh, yeah, the getting those runs there, it, it, it got it. It's a great comparison you had there, Quade, in terms of what it used to be on the road course is where there were certain drivers, you know, Dale Earnhardt would qualify well and he only won the one time on road courses, but he would always be in the top five or the top 10 and he always had fast race cars, but everyone would talk about, oh, well, it's going to be rusty or Ricky or, Ernie or something like that. That's who you always thought about. Well, in this case, everyone was like, okay, well, it's going to be Kyle Larson, Chris Bell, or Oh Richard, or you know somebody like that, Austin Dillon, you know somebody who's a definite dirt person. Well, Joey Logano isn't a dirt guy. Um, Denny Hamlin theoretically isn't a dirt guy. Neither is Daniel Suarez. And then you go into Byron, Blaney, Jones, and Clyde. I mean, for for Chase, it's for Elliott, it's 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 bigger, you know, trying to defend his championship. Uh, for Blaney, winning last week and then trying to keep that momentum going, it's a positive day for him. Uh, you know, William Byron, he has a win this year, of course, and now it's about building towards the playoff for him. Uh, you know, the 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 five team, of course, didn't get the finish they wanted, but. The two, the 24 and the nine were able to for the Hendrick team. And then the, the Gibbs guys, the 11, 19, the 19 was brought best car in the first half of the race. The 11 car ended up getting the finish. Um, the 18 had a good race car very early and then had mud and that just basically set him back. And, uh, you know, so the, the big teams were there. And but you look at some of those drivers, even Brad Keselowski had nothing most of the day, gets an 11th place finish. Michael McDowell, I think that's the best finish he's had in a few races. So um, not his, definitely not his uh, strong suit. Um, and in his chase to actually make the playoff, yeah, he won the Daytona 500, but his point situation isn't great. So and if it keeps on this path where you're having different winners, then points are going to start coming into play. And so being able to maintain, get a good finish when you had some of these guys that are 
top flight drivers, the ones that people are, you can't count out, um, you know, not getting a finish. Uh, that's where uh, it, it's those kind of days that build a championship. So, I mean, uh, credit to them in general for the runs they had there in the back end of the top 10. Yeah, and you look at uh, the rest of the running order, at least through the top 20, uh, Kozlowski, like you mentioned, 11th, Michael McDowell, 12th. Um, Matt Benedetto was 13th, 14th was Chris Buescher, Kevin Harvick, 15th, Kurt Busch, 16th, Kyle Busch, 17th, Ryan Priest, 18th, uh, Martin Trex Jr., 19th, and Chase Briscoe in 20th. Uh, some guys in there that were um, a little bit surprising, and I think that uh, aside from having some really surprising guys up in the top five and top ten, um, you know, we talked about the Suarez guys, we talked about uh, Ryan Newman being up there and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but uh, I think the, the really the biggest story was that a lot of the dirt drivers had some had some issues today. Uh, even our guys with extensive dirt background, I should say, um, you know, Chase Briscoe uh, didn't have a great day. Now he had a lot of things go out of his out of his control, but you know he had a, a really eventful day today. Still came home uh, 20th, which is kind of shocking compared to how crazy of a day he had. But still, you expect more from him on a dirt track. Uh, Stuart Friesen, who I know he was in his uh, Cup debut. These Cup cars drive a little bit different, but he ended up 23rd. Uh, I think we all kind of expected him to go up there and really be uh, competitive. You know, uh, a lot of people were talking about Austin Dillon prior to this race as being one of the favorites. He finished 21st today. Um, You also had Kyle Larson, of course, and Chris Rebell had their issues. Larson, 29th, uh, and Chris Rebell ending up uh, in 34th. So I think Spencer, and Mike Marler even, a guy who was here, just because he's a dirt driver, he had some issues, spun out the end, finished 31st. Uh, Chris Wyndham, again, was hired from that 15 car just because he's good on dirt. He finished 33rd. I know he had some engine issues, but he still wasn't uh, a top contender all day. Um, you know, when we think about road course aces and, and road ringers, like, again, this is how I'm, I'm kind of equating all this. When we used to think about them, you know, the Ron Fellows, the Boris Seds of the world, they ran up in the top 10, top 15, had really good days. A lot of the dirt guys didn't today. Um, I think that, Spencer, aside from three of the top five being sort of surprises, was the story of the day, just how these guys with extensive dirt backgrounds just didn't perform. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the heavy hitters got taken out. Um, I mean, we saw two of them get taken out um, battling for second and third. So um, I think, you know, those guys not being able to race the whole race really had a big – a big part of the guys who were up front. I don't, I'm not taking away from Suarez's run or Newman's run or anything, but let's face it, that 20 and the five probably would have outran the 99. Um, honestly, those two cars probably would have been battling for the lead. Um, you know, Logano was fast and he comes from zero background. Um, I don't, I don't know how much, how many races he's ran, but he did run a, uh, a modified at Volusia in February when they were here. So, um, that gets your feet a little wet. And then he just did the iRacing thing, which is pretty accurate. Um, it's not like you're playing Xbox or PlayStation. So you get a general idea of um, dirt and, you know, what the track's going to do. But, you know, this was a toss-up. You know, this this is like a Daytona and Talladega. Nobody knew what to expect. Um, you, I mean, you don't expect cars to spin off a two and take out the whole field. Um, you know, you don't really see that in the sprint cup or sprint car world where they just spin out. 
Um, they flip, but they don't just, you know, get loose and spin out. Um, it's rare. So, I mean, but this is a cup car. It's a whole different thing. So it was, it was, it was a crapshoot. Let's put it that way. But, um, as far as the big heavy hitters getting taken out, really had a different outcome on the end of that race. Um, and you know, what can you do? I mean, like I said, with nobody knowing what to expect, especially with the track being a damn swamp for the first two days and the track guys doing everything at night that changed the way the track was. Um, actually I think the track looked better today than it did when everybody showed up. Um, I thought mm-hmm. the track held up a lot better than it did in practice. I mean, 40 laps in, we were having, but we were having uh, craters in the track, uh, massive holes. And I didn't really see a whole lot of that or it wasn't as bad as it was. So, um, it was okay. As far as the race, I went, I, don't care if they would have came back, but they're going back to Bristol. They should do this at like a Richmond. Um, Bristol's just too good of a track to be making it dirt. So uh thinks that the top guys got taken out, but it gives somebody else a shot to win, I guess. And um, now we have all different winners so far this year. and That's going to make it interesting coming uh, points time um, later on. Yeah, you know, it is interesting how they um, announced this during the, during the race. And it was funny because – the general consensus on the on the return of, of the dirt racing at Bristol on Twitter before the race kind of seemed pessimistic. You know, a lot of people were like, eh, don't see it happening. Bob Prockress, who, um, you know, is, is a re- really respected writer, was like, you know, I don't see it happening. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of work for, for that to happen. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he was a little pessimistic about it, which, which was interesting to me. I'm like, okay, I guess we're not going to see a, a dirt race at Bristol again. This is a one-time deal, but NASCAR came out during the race, uh, really before the last stage, and said, yeah, we're going to come back to Bristol for 2022. And uh, Steve O'Donnell or Steve Phelps, one of the two, uh, reiterated that fact uh, after the race said, not only for future races, after 2022. I was really surprised by that, um, and my surprise came from the owners. Um, we're going to have a new race car next year. They're going to spend a lot of money on this new race car. And – I was surprised they would go to a dirt race if they're not going to do more than one, which makes me think there's going to be more than one dirt race next year. Um, I, you know, almost like you saw in trucks. You know, part of the reason why they're doing two dirt races in trucks this year, uh, they did today at Bristol, and they're going to do a little bit later in the year. They're going to go to Knoxville. Part of the reason why they did that was because the truck owners are sort of sitting there going, "We're building this this truck." That's for dirt, but we're only racing it once a year. It's kind of dumb. So NASCAR said, okay, we'll make it twice a year now to give that truck that you built and, and modified a little bit more life and you, know, you get a little bit more bang for your buck. Um, I'm surprised that this announcement was made so quickly. I wouldn't have been surprised if they sat on it and said, we're going to wait and see how the owners feel about it. I was surprised it was made so quickly that they said, yeah, we're going to do this. And not only are we going to do this, we're going to do this for years to come. Um, it bo- what bothers me about this is uh, I'm excited because I like, I like dirt racing. I like the fact that they're incorporating into the Cup Series. I think it's, a, it's fun. It adds a little bit different element to it. Um, I would like to see that. There's, again, there's thousands of dirt tracks across the country I think would do a lot better than Bristol. Uh, and I know if, if – we sat there and said, listen, well, there's no way we can put on a dirt race as good as we can at one of our facilities that we have. I would be like, fine, then do it at, at that facility. But it's strictly a business deal. It's strictly because I, SMI doesn't want to lose the TV money 
for a date. And that's why we're running a dirt race at Bristol. That's it. Anybody else tells you different is not telling you the full truth. That is the number one reason why we are going to Bristol at dirt, why, why the dirt race is at Bristol. That's it, period, because nobody wants to lose that TV money. And I don't blame them. It's a business. They want to make the bottom line. That's what it comes down to. But, again, I, I would, it would swallow me. I would swallow a little bit better. It would, it would sit with me better if it wasn't strictly a business move. That's my problem with it is it's just strictly a business move. Um, Philip, there was a lot of things today. There was one point in this race where it was so dusty that they almost had to stop this race. We went from double-file restarts to single-file restarts during the race because of the dust. A lot of people had some issues with that, uh, and a lot of people had some issues with how the, how the weekend was constructed. Um, what they tried to do on Saturday was obviously a lesson they learned uh, for the future to not try and do that again because that with the trucks, that was an absolute disaster, and they're lucky it didn't you know, cause major engine issues for, for a lot of the trucks in, in today's event because of what they did. Uh, running them out there when that track was not dry and causing a huge mud mess for inside and, and uh, on the outside of those trucks. Um, what are some of the things you think they should work on? What are some of the things you like today from the dirt race? And what are some of the things you think they should work on here for future events since they are going to Bristol in the dirt next season? If they're, I mean, now that they're going to end up using the spring race as the dirt race, they, they definitely need to employ um, other people in regards to the track prep, maybe figuring out a better uh, uh, dirt, soil, whatever mixture along with the, the sawdust, the whole bit that they had. I think they need to work on the the what they're using for a surface. Um, they ruined the actual racetrack, whatever, however many years ago, depending on how you want to look at it. I think um, on the one hand, I think they had a good racetrack when they made it multiple grooves on the segments of society wanted to make it a one groove, run over each other racetrack again. So that's why they started putting PJ1 down there. Um, learning how to actually put water on a racetrack so that it isn't a freaking mud bog uh, is, would be a novel concept or knowing how to actually, I think, track prep, uh, bad year, uh, as usual, uh, with their their awesome tires. Um, that would it would help if they actually would. They, I love that they don't want to test, and uh, they come up with all these reasons for not testing, and it's – part and parcel for why we have the kind of issues we have with the racing. One of the many reasons is because the tire manufacturer does not make a good product uh, on a week-to-week basis. Um, the uh, Getting these things off the ground, it was I'll say that, at least by having them on a bias-by tire for whatever product quality of the product it, that they had was better than having them on a the radial. That would have been a disaster. And so credit, oh, you have to give credit where credit is due. They actually made a good decision there. Uh, getting them off the ground, getting rid of the splitter was nice. Um, it'll, I hope they would do that more often, but they won't. Um, they could have had heat races and they could have done all that, but they, they messed up the racetrack um, between Friday and Saturday along with the rain or whatever. I think the, the idea is a novel concept. I figure they... 
they pissed off the one owner that they could have had a really good racetrack, a really good properly prepped racetrack. Um, and uh, they would have had an opportunity to go there and it would have been a good race. Uh, this race is all right. I mean, considering some Bristol, how Bristol races in general are, um, there there's stuff to be done and work to be done. But for what it is, uh, they they were able to actually make a move on the fly to the single file restarts, like they do uh, in in World of Outlaws, Dirtly Miles, Midgets, whatever. Uh, so that was a smart move. There's something they're not known for. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, it went off. They were able to get both races in today, which I didn't believe was going to happen considering all the rain that's been coming down there the last couple of days. And so they actually get to leave, go into an off weekend with some positive energy um, and running this dirt race again next year. They'll have all this info, but then they, they're they using this info for car now that they're going to have a different car that's going to be right. i think maybe heavier or i don't know if it and it's going to have a bigger tire and all these things so like how the heck are you going to quantify what you did this year and then have to go and put it towards a brand new car uh there's got to be testing done and if they're not going to test then we could have similar issues at least with the the car cup race i don't know about uh, the the trucks because they've been running dirt for a while and they have no horsepower so it is what it is there yeah there's some interesting points there philip for sure one i thought immediately when they announced it was the car for next year i went and that was part of the reason why i i you know i said this earlier when they announced it, i was kind of surprised because i thought the owners aren't going to let that do, do that and somebody brought up to me well maybe they can run this year's car next season and I thought, well, at, at the Bristol Dirt Race, and if they add another dirt race, which I think is possible, I'm not sure what, you know, what that entails, but I guess we'll see. But um, I was like, you know, I didn't even think about the tire situation. But I think as far as this weekend was concerned, you're absolutely right. I think it's a travesty that we didn't test the tire there before we ran there. I, think, I don't know how we could do that. Uh, if we did that at any other racetrack, we'd be scratching our heads going, huh? How can we do that? And we do it at a dirt race, and um, – we're lucky that we were able to, you know, throw caution every 50 laps. Uh, I know it really kind of cost Chris Busher a day, uh, a decent day, because he was hard, too, super hard on his tires and blew a tire at, at the end of the second stage there and really cost him some track position. Um, and there was a couple guys who had some tire issues as well throughout the event. But um, it, to me, you can't have next year go down and not have a tire test or – a better idea of what you're going to do with these tires next year. Uh, I'm sorry. I just think, and I do like tire management. I know there were some drivers, uh, I think it was Priest might have tweeted there, Chase Briscoe, tire management when it was announced. Uh, I do agree with that. I really do. Um, but I also think, you know, there needs to be where we can't, just because we can't run a race, uh, a, a tire for 50 laps, you know, that that's okay. Um I don't think that's okay. I think we need a tire that can last a little longer. Um, so there's some work to do there for sure. The other thing I'm interested in, and I want to get Spencer's take on this, um, was the fact that there was no live pit stops today. Uh, something we've never really seen in Cup. We haven't seen that in Cup, and I, I don't think ever. No live pit stops. Um, it was, 
you know, you come down every 50 laps, they threw a caution. You come down, they change the tires, and they didn't have like you know specialized pit crews changing the tires. They had mechanics and, and everybody working on the cars, which was sort of a throwback feel to it a little bit. But uh, what were your thoughts on that? No live pit stops, Spencer. Do you like that? Do you want NASCAR to maybe bring those pit crews next year to uh, the dirt race and say, hey, make them a part of this race? The biggest problem I thought today, and I don't want to put words into your mouth here, but I thought the biggest problem today, especially at the end when that caution came out, usually their strategy at the end of the race, oh, are they going to take tires? Are they going to stay out? There was no option. You were staying out because you can't change tires unless you do it you know, between stages or on a competition caution. So um, it was it takes a lot of strategy away. And I think that's what people forget when they mention doing this is, is it takes a lot of the strategy away, which takes some interest out. But what did you think overall, Spencer, as far as the non-live pit stops? Do you like it? Do you think they should continue it next year? Or do you think the pit crews should come back? Um, I mean, all week, all you heard was the whole take the windshield out thing. And they were all like, well, this is NASCAR. This ain't dirt cars. You know, this ain't a modified, this ain't a late model. So we, this is NASCAR. We have windshields. Well, if this is NASCAR, bring back what we're used to on a normal basis. Bring the, because I texted, I texted you guys as soon as it was announced that five was going to the rear. And I said, well, his, his race is over. Um, there's no way he can go to the front when you really have no track position. You can't make up like, um, so really, I mean, yeah, he got back up to the front. You know, he had a, he had a good enough car, but that's beside the point. You know, if this is NASCAR, you know, how, say the five, you know, if he had the engine change or anybody with an engine change or an issue, they go to the back. You know, this is dirt racing. It's not like you can, um, it's not like you can just pass a ton, a ton of cars um, in one lap like you can Talladega and Daytona. Um, if you want to do... I think you have to have the live pit stops because they're just there's no way to really get get track position um, because you enter the pits six then you come out six so if this is NASCAR and that's what everybody was preaching um, then you need to do it than we normally do have live pit stops and gain track position now yeah you see in normal dirt racing where you don't have pit stops um, but that's dirt racing. That's, that's four ten sprints. You know, they're doing 30 lap features and they're going home with a $50,000 check. So, I mean, we're running on 250 lap race on dirt with a competition caution. There's no way anybody can make up track position. I mean, yes, there's a way the five did it. He got to the front real quick, but when that was announced, I'm like, Oh boy, he's in, I mean, that's going to be hard to pass all them cars. Um, with it being such a small racetrack, laps just go like crazy. It's a tight racetrack. Um, so I don't know. I feel I'm, – I'm, I'm iffy on it. I thought it was cool, you know, how there's uh, no damage clock, which I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. It's a dirt race. You don't, you, don't, you don't need a front bumper. And look at the five. You didn't, half of his car was gone. Um, and you don't need that. So I do like that aspect of it. Some things I like, you know, the the clock was nice for, you know, you just fix your car and go back out. It's a half mile dirt track. You're, I mean, they were barely getting over a hundred going into the turn. Normally we see them, what, barely hit 140 on the asphalt. So the speeds were slow enough to where you could run without a bumper. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm iffy. I can't say that, put it this way. If they bring it back, cool. If they don't, oh, well. 
Um, but I feel like as far as the track position part, you have to have it um, because it's, I mean, dang, you just, how are you going to get it unless you have a phenomenal car to just fly through the field? And I don't know, you know, a lot of these small teams, they look forward to that strategy, you know, like uh, take the seventh, for instance, you know, they might want to go in and they could go in and have a good pit stop and gain 15 spots and 15 spots for Spire is huge or any small team is huge. So, um, you know, it works out for some people and then, you know, the bigger teams, you know, they're like, they're fast enough to get to the front anyway. So, um, it's, it's, I'm iffy on it. I, I liked it and I didn't. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see what they do next year. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, I know I, it was a lot packed in there as far as, um, you know, pit crews were concerned and, and stuff like that, but, um, you know, what one thing that does, and Spencer brought this up, is that it does take out strategy, uh, and you have to work your way through the field. But it fo- puts a much more bigger emphasis on, you know, having a strong race car and passing cars, which necessarily I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. But again, it takes some of the strategy away, like the interest at the end of the race. Oh well, you know, uh, it almost felt like an Xfinity race where oh they can't come in because they don't have any tires left. Um, what I'm used to in the dirt races is, is you know you don't think. You know, like Spencer said, they're usually shorter. So you don't think that they need to change their tires. But when you do a 250-lap race, you're going to have to change some tires. Um, yeah. And that's where I think the pit crew should come in. What are your thoughts, Philip? Do you think the pit crew should come in, or do you think they should stay out? I mean, I you can look at – I mean, I get Spencer's – I feel right on. I think they – you have it in ARCA. They run two of them – Races and I think they have a lot of pit stops at at the DeCoin to coin mile and then um, the other one. Uh, they have two mile dirt tracks and they have a lot of pit stops. I mean they're modif- I guess modified to a point, but they're live. Um, they had live pit stops at Eldora. Uh, you know the the notion that you can't have live pit stops is kind of a fallacy. It's the same way as NASCAR is the only racing series that I can think of that, that thinks they can't have qualifying in practice. Um, but every other racing series can, which in his own right is stupid uh, in NASCAR's part. So the fact that they couldn't have like pit stops at Bristol to me is kind of laughable. Um, it made the noise that you'd hear on pit road sawzalls, but, um, but uh, the, yeah, I don't know. I think you could have live pit stops. If you're going to say you're NASCAR, you have a windshield, all this other crap, then then have live pit stops. It, right. It's the same way as the, the they wanted to do the heat race and they failed at it. It would have, I think, if the heat races were there, uh, the notion of the, the – the I mean, Larson was going to be up there anyway. His car was a rocket. The 20 car was a rocket. The 14 was good, too. They all were coming up to the front, um, even with wherever position. I mean, in Larson's case, he started tailback. Bell was mid-pack, and, of course, Briscoe was buried. But they all made paid time. And once with the track conditions the way they were on the fresh surface, it was when the thing wore out that basically you're kind of holding on and you needed to have uh, – there was really no strategy at that point because there was no second groove because there was no cushion. Um, you know, I think that's a prep track prep thing, and also having like pit stops might be able to assist a little bit, but because of the amount of cautions, but 
Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what they do next year. I'm I'm not holding my breath on them having live pit stops. I'm thinking they're going the other way in, in mm-hmm. regards to quote cost saving uh, end quote um, with air. I'm doing it in the air, but I, the, <laughs> that you know we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Philip. As far as going the opposite direction, and and I liked what Spencer said. I forgot to mention this before about. Uh, the, the caution clock. Personally, I, I think the caution clock, what we do in Cup is ridiculous. Um, you know, if, if uh, part of the reason why I think it's ridiculous with the caution clock is because teams rush to, to repair their cars and get it as fast as they can. And if we have a, and I think it happened recently where a piece of debris on a race, somebody drops a piece of debris and ruins somebody's race. I don't like that. Um, and I was very vocal when that caution clock came out. I said that. I said, well, you know, I hope we don't have teams that are you know, cutting corners here just to get the car, you know, um, fixed and then go out there and, and shred debris all over the place and then takes a leader out. Uh, and I think, you know, we haven't seen that too much, but certainly a possibility. But I like the fact that you can go out there, take it off. Look at Ryan Blaney today. It was an awesome mistake. Um, and, you know, aerodynamics didn't play a big role into it, and I like that. And that's what makes this dirt race fun is it's sort of a throwback to where when we didn't engineer the crap out of these cars – everywhere we went, uh, and I think taking a splitter off is a big, big, big deal to do with that. So hopefully the splitter's gone forever, but I doubt it. Moving on, guys, um, Camping World Truck Series race, it was the Pinty's Truck Race on Dirt. Uh, That was what the race's title was. It was ran at noon this afternoon, um, run won by Martin Truex Jr. He led 105 laps in the 51 truck for Kyle Busch. It was his first truck race in a long, long time. And he completely dominated 105 of the 150 laps he led, won both stages, a complete and utter uh, dominating, dominating performance for Martin Truex Jr., which was shocking considering that Martin doesn't have that much of a, of a dirt background to go out there and do what he did was very, very surprising. Um, ben Rhodes finished second. Rafael Lassard was third. Todd Gilland fourth. And uh, it was Chase Briscoe in fifth. Zane, uh, Grant Enfinger sixth. Zane Smith seventh. Parker Klugerman was eighth, Austin Hill ninth, and Austin Wayne self got a top ten and tenth. Um, Spencer, I'll start with you. What was the biggest storyline of the day for you in trucks? Was it Martin Trucks Jr.'s win uh, or just the fact that, you know, some dirt – again, some dirt regular guys who, who we normally see have, have some pretty good runs on the dirt series. Uh, Matt Crafton, who, who finished 14th, is usually very good on dirt. He's won at Eldora before. Uh, Stuart Friesen up there, you know, was a decent car, truck. But he finished 12th, uh, got some stage points, but, wasn't, but only led once for one lap. Um, he didn't have a great day like we expected him to. Uh, then you had, of course, Haley Deegan. A lot of people expected her to go out and perform a lot better than she did, finished 19th, and that was probably where she was right around all day. Mike Marler didn't have a great day. Uh, and Kyle Larson, I know he got involved in an accident late, but he wasn't great today. Um, what was your thoughts on on – just the fact that we had a lot of drivers who – what was the biggest story? I'm sorry. The biggest surprise to you was the fact that those dirt drivers who have extensive dirt backgrounds weren't really a factor today, or was it the fact that Martin Schicks Jr. completely dominated this event? How about you, Spencer? What do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely not going to take away from what Truex has done or what he did. I mean, you look at him, and, you know, he's he's a phenomenal race car driver. I would put him as a, as a Hall of Famer with his championship and all that. But, I mean, look, he came into this truck race, no dirt background, 
and hasn't been in a truck from God knows when, dominates the truck race, ran the Xfinity race at Atlanta, dominated that, but ended up second or third. I can't remember. But Martin Truex Jr. is that guy. You put him in anything, and he's going to go out and do good. And it just showed he needed good equipment in his career to start um, running good and winning. But, um, no, he did a he did a great job and was able to uh, stay out front and, you know, lead a lot of laps and come out and get KBM maybe on the right direction of, um, you know, start clicking off wins, even though the four truck's really strong and that's my championship pick. But, um, you know, that's momentum for that team because they've struggled the past couple of years. And, yeah, and then as far as the dirt guys, I don't know if this track is just – obviously it's different than, you know, all the other dirt tracks across the country. And, you know, it's a, a different dirt. It's it's just different. It, it, this is not a dirt track. Mind you, this is an a- asphalt track that we put dirt on top. You know, when you dig to the bottom of this dirt, you're at asphalt. When you dig to the bottom of a um, a dirt track, you hit more dirt. So it's it's definitely a different race car tr- uh, racetrack. Um, so obviously the dirt guys they had bad luck, and it, it, I mean it's different. I don't care how good you are at dirt. Um, when you get on a different surface that you're not used to running, because the dirt NASCAR don't go to dirt, um, you know they're going to struggle a little bit. So I don't know. I guess. You know, it was it's a, it was a crapshoot for the dirt guys, I guess, this weekend. And yeah, Larson, as you mentioned, was nowhere to be found. He was 15th, and then he was around 20th or 25th all day. And he started creeping up right there, and then he got smoked. I mean, I think he was got up to 11th or 10th when he got hit and spun around, or ran into the back of Timmy Hill's truck that that Marlowe guy was driving, or whatever his last name is. So, um, unfortunate day. Um, um, he's a dirt legend, but I'm sure he's glad to get out of the dirt stuff this weekend. And uh, take Easter break off and um, go to Martinsville and see what they can do there. But um, not a good weekend for the dirt guys at all. No, and and that's uh, this truck series was certainly, I think, even more than than um, than Cup as far as that was concerned. You know, Cup at least we had a couple of guys who I think were okay, but um, trucks no, they weren't even anywhere to be found all day. Um, Philip, you know when I look at this race. And I think about this season. So far, this season has been pretty much dominated by Toyota in the truck series. Um, there's no question that the changes Kyle Busch Motorsports made over the offseason, uh, bringing in Martin Lindley, bringing in Eric Phillips, uh, bringing in John Hunter Nemechek, um, has made a significant difference. Now, Chandler Smith would like to have some of that luck and speed. He's been struggling pretty bad in that 18 truck. But – I mean, Toyota's won all five races in trucks this year. I guess my question to you is, do you expect that to continue through this year? Um, it's just been a pretty much Toyota-dominated series. I mean, Rode, Ben Rhodes finished second today. He has two wins. He won the first two races of the year. Uh, Chevrolet's been a little bit off with, with GMS, and the Fords have been sort of non-existent. I hate to be, hate to be that way, um, but David Gillen Racing has not been very good this year. Grace had some struggles. Um, Deegan's nowhere to be found, uh, and you know Todd Gillen's been okay, but that team's not really running and competing for wins anytime soon. So Ford lost Thor Sport, and I think they poured a lot more money into DGR DGR this year, and it seems like they're really struggling. Uh, I guess my question to you is: Do you think that's going to change, or do you think this is Toyota series right now? Yeah, I think the the Toyotas with I mean John Hunter you consider how much experience he has for being such a young guy 
And then also, I guess, finally, Ben Rhodes, after I think 100 years in the truck series, is finally coming good. And you're you're not going to count out the – I think the one thing that's going to stand in the way of a Toyota benefit is the uh, GMS crew. Uh, Lassard is making strides. Uh, Zane Smith was a championship four driver. You had uh, – you have – the what's what's it called defending series champion Sheldon Creed he led 38 laps today so the second most laps led uh, you know that's a team that's not going to go away outside of that I mean really right now uh, the night I mean and you add the fact that John Hunter got involved in the wreck early in the race too uh, which he lost a bunch of points otherwise he's had a really solid strong start to the year Ben Rhodes is knocking down top five, top tens every week. And uh, those two are going to end up battling a long way into this championship. Uh, but the GMS crew is, is really the one thing that's going to stand in whether or not those two. And, I mean, I think it, it really it starts and ends with John Hunter uh, between the amount of experience he has with what uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports has committed the new people and then the, the fresh faces they have in there that are well-known people in this sport. Um, you wouldn't have thought that Rudy Fugel leaving would end up making them, would end up working out for Kyle Busch Motorsports, but it actually has. And in the end, it's also helped out William Byron in his career. So uh, all winning, uh, all parties have worked, it's worked out very well for them. So, uh, we will see as the season goes on. Uh, they have a little bit of a break here, but um, I think the Toyotas have a definite advantage as of now, but it doesn't mean that that's going to be the whole way. Uh, they'll they'll be off until Richmond in about three weeks' time or whatever, So, and they have some gaps in, in the schedule there. So be time to go and build and 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 sort of fortify their 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 uh you know the team and the vehicles as they get into the summer so that they're able to run out this championship but yeah i mean it it starts and ends with uh, john hunter nemechek for this championship and that really has been the case i don't see anybody beating him at this point yeah he, right now he's the favorite there's no question about that um and uh, you mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks off going to Richmond. So we'll see what the trucks, what happens with the trucks there um, in a couple of weeks. It's uh, It's been an interesting truck series season. A couple of guys, when I look at the points schedule, points standings, I should say, a couple of guys who I thought would have a pretty good year who have struggled. Timothy Peters right now sits 24th in the standings uh, in that new Rackley uh, war truck. They've been struggling in that 25 truck. So hopefully, I love Timothy Peters. I think he's a heck of a talent. But uh, they've been really struggling in that truck. Hopefully they find it. Uh, Haley Deegan, I mentioned a little earlier, I'm not sure how many people expected her to go out and make the playoffs in her rookie year, but she's 21st. Derek Krause has struggled this year. He's 20th in the standing. Even Moffitt in 13th, I think a lot of people thought maybe he'd be competing. So there's some drivers who have some work to do uh, in the truck series uh, for the rest of this season. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call. We're going to look at our uh, fantasy picks from oh, the God. Bristol Dirt Race. Yeah, it's going to be a, uh, a tough weekend because <laughs> uh, 
unfortunately, we both lost points to the leader this week, Philip. Um, and I will explain exactly what happened. I didn't have uh, any points to begin with. Yeah, Philip uh, came into the to the race with 16 points. Um, he picked Larson, who obviously had an incident, ended up deep in the field, and he had Chase Briscoe as his dark horse, which was a very good pick. Both of them were, uh, but uh, he got two points for Briscoe today, so that puts him at 18 points. Um, I had Christopher Bell, who obviously had a tough day, ended up deep in the field, but my dark horse was Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who finished second. Um, so that was worth eight points, which was good considering four for a top five finish, and you double that for your dark horse in eighth. Oh, but it gets better. Um, Spencer Cowan had Chase Elliott, who finished 10th. He gets uh, three points for him, and he had his dark horse, Ryan Newman. But the, the, the back story to that is Spencer, for everybody who didn't obviously didn't know this, had reached out on Monday or Tuesday and said, hey, I want to change my dark horse pick <laughs> and change it to Stuart Friedman. And I, uh, being Mr. Strick, you vetoed it. saying, you no, vetoed I don't think we should do no that reason. because it was announced. We knew Friesen was going to run a race. If it wasn't announced and it came out on the entry list and it was a surprise, I might let it slide. But we knew for a couple of weeks Stuart was going to run this race. So I said, nah, sorry, Spencer, you have to live with Ryan Newman. Well, guess what? It got him eight points. He would have been eight points less uh, than he had today if he took Stuart uh-huh. Friesen instead of Ryan Newman. So uh, when things are going good, things are going good. That's all we have to say. Spencer now leads heading into Martinsville. 51 points he's got to a uh, total. Clayton is uh, trailing by 13. He's got 38. And uh, Phillip is back by 33 points. He's got 18 points on the season. So we're going to make our points from pick or we're going to make our picks, excuse me, from Martinsville. I know we're still a couple of weeks away. Uh, we're probably not going to have a show next week. It's Easter. Uh, and we'll, we'll take a little bit of a, of a breather here before we really get into the meat part of the year. So we'll do our picks for Martinsville now. And again, uh, since he's on the bottom of the totem pole, and I think he's going to be here a while, yeah. uh, it's, we're going to go there ain't no Matthew reset, so. to, to, uh, to start off the picks for Martinsville. Who do you yeah. got? as your pick, and then, of course, your dark horse, which would be somebody outside the top 16 in points right now. Uh, I'm going to come up with something here. Probably pull it out of my butt anyways. Who cares? I'm never, I mean, there's no way I'm going to make up all these points anyway. So it's just, I might you as well. You can Talladega. So. Yeah, well, I guess. But um, I'll pick uh, based on recent form. uh and I'm going to jinx myself in the two ways then in that, in that sense, I'll pick Brad Keselowski as my favorite, uh, for, uh, Martinsville and, uh, the, to possibly win in regards to outside of the chase standings, uh, to go here to Jayski. Um, that would be I'm looking at it, looking at it. Ooh, this is this tough. That's uh, really, it's kind of ugly now. Um, I I don't do it. I mean, does I don't buy that it can happen again. Uh, I would go no neck 
but I'm going to go with Ryan Priest. I'm going to go okay. and take the short track, modified star, having a good start to the season. Uh, Priest will be my uh, wild card for Martinsville. Interesting choice. Uh, it's, listen, it's tough. When you look at Martinsville and you look at, uh, you know, I like to sort of go with veterans there um, or drivers who uh, have had some success there. It's a tough, tough pick as far as a dark horse is concerned. Kozlowski is a really good pick. My pick, my favorite this weekend, uh, next weekend at Martinsville, two weeks from now, I should say, at Martinsville is going to be Denny Hamlin. He runs that place very, very good. Uh, it's a Virginia racetrack, Virginia driver. Um, he's had a lot of success there. He's a great short tracker. He's been close so many times this year. I think Denny Hamlin's going to go to victory lane. My dark horse, um, and, and just because uh, when I'm looking at it, teams who have run pretty good there in the past, um, I'm going to go with uh, Eric Jones. That 43 car ran pretty good there last year uh, with Bubba Wallace aboard. I know it's Bubba Wallace. It's a little bit different driver, um, but I'm going to go Eric Jones who will be my dark horse at Martinsville. I just think he's going to have a really good day. Uh, Spencer Cowan, the leader, uh, who do you pick? I will take uh, I'll take the 19 for my okay. main pick. And my dark horse pick will be um, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace, interesting pick. Um, Bubba's certainly in a really good car. Else to take down. Yeah, Newman would have been an interesting choice because they ran. He's run pretty good here in the past. But listen, Bubba was there for the taking. I mean, at the after all that, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I'm going to contradict myself. Yeah, I'm going to contradict myself by saying this. Um, by saying, usually you like to go with veteran drivers at at a place like Martinsville or somebody when you know. And and I went with Eric Jones. But uh, Bubba has had some success there. There's no question uh, as far as with Petty Motorsports. It's just a new team, and it's just hard when you got a new team. I mean, today he was running really good and had some issues. Um, you know, spun, lost the right rear tire after contact. Uh, I think it was Stenhouse he made contact with. He was running the top five and had a problem there. So it just seems like, you know, that team, for whatever reason, they just don't have the luck right now. Um, and Martinsville is not necessarily a place you want to go to um, if you're not having really luck. Uh, behind you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's our picks for Martinsville. Again, I'll, re- I'll recap them real quick. Phillip's going to go uh, Brad Kozlowski. His dark horse is Ryan Priest. Clayton's going to go uh, Denny Hamlin. The dark horse is Eric Jones. And Spencer's going to go with Martin Trix Jr. as his pick. His dark horse is Bubba Wallace. So that's uh, that's our picks for Martinsville. Again, we're going to be gone here next week. It's Easter. Um, be safe. You know, get into the baseball season a little bit. Be safe, everybody, for Easter. You like what you heard today? You like what you re- we recapped? We're going to be back here after Martinsville, breaking all of Martinsville down uh, for you guys in a couple of weeks. So uh, be sure to to stay on Talking Circles. I'll probably release some kind of, uh, uh, you know, if news is broken, I might release something quick. Um, but as far as the show is concerned, there's no dedicated show for next week. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.